shalom, shalom. Is that another custom shirt you made? No, no, this is a shirt that Grunge Girl helped me buy online. It looks like a shirt you would make. I know, that's why I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get a little bit more fashionable. Yeah, a little bit more fabulous. Not for other people, but for me. Yeah, for yourself. Yeah, yeah. For the glamour. I want to be glamorous, I want to be cute. Yeah, glamour is its own reward. It feels good. Oh, I'm sleepy. You sleepy? (sighs) Never. You're never sleepy when we record this podcast. Um, how are you? I'm well. It's been an interesting day today. I took a long walk to the grocery store by my house to get some challah, which was nice. That was a really nice walk. Just getting ready for Shabbat. Watched the season finale of WandaVision this morning. Oh my gosh. I loved it. I've heard about WandaVision and that I've heard the words. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I don't know that you would like it, okay. but it's superhero stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't care. You don't really like that. Nope. Nope. But it's really good. Let's see. What else is going on? Trans Girl Talmud class just ended, which is bittersweet. And also, it's nice to have a little less work on my plate. And I just listened to the Judaism Unbound episode that came out today. It's about Karaites, which has always been. A fascinating topic of mine. I like to say I was almost a Karite before Queer Talmud Camp seduced me into Talmud World. So that was really good and cool. And I think that Karite Judaism and Queer Talmud actually have a lot in common about their approach to the Talmud. And then I learned on that episode that there's this great place called Karite Press that's run by the guy they interviewed, Sean Licha. They publish like historical Karite books in translation with extensive notes. And I just got two Karite books, Royal Attire on Karite and Rabbinite Beliefs and The Palanquin on Karite Practical Halacha. So I just got both of those books for $23. Wow, that's that's wild yes. to me. Uh, Michael, mm-hmm. how are you? Oh, wow. Oh, how am I? Um... I woke up a little bit. I'm good. Feeling happy. Feeling like I should. Feel guilty for feeling happy. You know, classic stuff. Um, Getting lots of puppy time in this weekend. Ugh, jealous. We should walk soon. It's like warm enough now. Yeah, we should go for a walk. That would be actually really nice. Have you got the vaccine yet? Do you qualify? If I got the fucking vaccine, the first thing I said to everyone would be, I got the vaccine, bitch. No, vaccine rollout in Rhode Island is so bad even in comparison with the national rollout which is bad the rhode island rollout is like specifically very bad this is good though because it's my daily reminder to check the vaccinate website to see if there's any appointments every day i do this i assume you technically qualify for like a health reason or something like that Well, I definitely qualify under comorbidities, but everybody is just prioritizing older people right now. And also, it's just like really fragmented and it's super unclear. So every day is just sort of like rolling the dice on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we live in a fractured, uh, broken uh, system. You know, it's good, though. God is real. It's true. That has been my experience. Yeah. So that's neat. Yeah, that's a cute look for us. We're just trying to share the good news. (laughs) As it seems like we're transitioning out of the how are you phase and into the hi phase. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to mix it up this week by telling our listeners before we get into the Talmud to please call or text us on the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619 or you can ask us a question anonymously on our website at chaihowareyou.com. And also, while I have you here stuck in between the content and the other content, I want to ask you all, if you haven't already, to please go join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Chava de Cordova. We have some very reasonably priced Patreon tiers. And if you're in our Patreon, then you'll get double the episodes every month, which I know you all would love. We've been doing some really cool episodes diving into Hebrew words every mm, week for our true. patron only episodes. A patron actually messaged us through the website anonymously. Mm-hmm. They gave us a very cute question I'll, I'll share with you later. That's a, a follow-up on our previous patron episode. Ugh, that's great. It's very cute. That's great. Yeah, listeners, we love getting your questions. I feel like we haven't done a listener question episode in a bit, so please flood us with questions. And patronage couldn't do this without you. Yeah, make us wet. Make us wet with Talmud questions. Yeah. Cool. So now that we've talked about that hot, sexy business should we talk about some talmud oh uh, yeah well, let's do it let's get into it <laughs> you really thought about that one was there like a 50 50 chance we were going to make an episode about something else today okay here's the thing i'm trying to be my best self when i'm on the pod right i don't want to lie and in that I moment see. that you asked me i'll tell you the truth i was like fuck no but then i took a <laughs> breath and reflected and i was like yeah Okay, let's do this. Let's do it, Hava. <laughs> okay, so you do want to do it in your heart of hearts. In, in my heart of You're hearts. You're just sleepy. I'm just, well, let's not mull on what I just am, and let's talk about what I am, <laughs> which is excited about Talmud. Okay, did you look at the sugya at all? Oh, I looked at the sugya. I looked at the whole daf, at least uh, the English translation. What do you think? Interesting, huh? It is wild. It reminds me a lot of like jetsam and floatsam, nautical laws. Yes, absolutely. Before we spiral off too much, let me just get our listeners into the part of this stuff that we're going to be talking about today. We are on Bavametsia 21b. And what's happening here contextually is that we're in the middle of a long discussion of the halachas of lost and found objects. The subject I want to zoom in on today is something called Yehushelomidat. This is actually a sugya that it's really common to be one of the, not maybe the first, but one of the first things that Talmud students study in more traditional environments. It's very much something people sort of cut their teeth on is taking apart these arguments. So it's funny that it's taken us almost a year to get to it. We have here right at the top of Baba Metzia 21b, Despair. Yeush is sort of despair or giving up. What this is referring to is the despairing or giving up on finding an object that you've lost. Let's say you lost a $100 bill. Once you give up on the possibility of finding that $100 bill, it sort of enters a new halachic status where its obligations are different than if you were still searching for it. And yeushelomidat is what if you lost something, but you didn't know that you lost it, but if you knew that you lost it, you would have despaired of finding it, which is a lot to pack into three words. <laughs> Before we get to this nuanced 
situation. You lose something, you search for it, you stop searching for it, then if someone else finds it, they can keep it. Exactly. If you've given up on your object, then the person who finds it is able to keep it. If it hadn't been despaired of, if it hadn't received Yahush, then they would be obligated in this mitzvah called Hashavat Aveda, which is returning lost things. So if you lost your wedding ring or something and you hadn't despaired of it, whoever found it would be obligated to bring it back to you. Okay, that's the basics. Now we're in a situation where you don't even know that you lost it. Yeah, exactly. So this three-word phrase, which literally just means despair that one doesn't know. So despair that you don't know about. What we have next in the little text I read is a debate between Abaye and Rava. So Abaye and Rava are these two sages who are often in conflict with each other, having a machloket, which is like a halachic conflict. They were in the fourth generation of Babylonian Amoraim. So we're talking between 300 and 350 CE. And they're often paired with each other. The halacha almost always goes with Rava. There's only six cases where it goes with Abaye. And this is one of those six cases. Here are two positions. Okay, give it to us. So Abaye says, if you lose something and you don't know it, and you would have despaired of finding it if you did know, that does not count. That does not free up this object to be kept by the finder. Whoa, harsh, harsh. (laughs) Rava, of course, is opposite. If you lose it and you don't know, but if you did know, you would have despaired, then it qualifies halakhically as despair. Part of the reason that I wanted to bring this sugya to the pod is because I just think it's really interesting to think about the observer effect, which is this idea, right, that our observation of something changes what is happening to what we're observing. And that's sort of at play here because the observation of loss here is crucial to understanding what the object status is halachically. And I just think that's really interesting, especially from such an ancient debate. But what I want to know before we go even further into this debate, Michael, is what do you think the halacha should be on this matter? Oh, boy. You know, I'm a case-by-case kind of person. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I see. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) You don't know. Well, let's make it real. Okay, let's make it real. Let's make it real. First, let me just ask you a question about Yahush in general. Okay, okay, okay. Let's say you lost that sexy shirt you just bought. Mm -hmm. You looked everywhere for it. Let's say for six months you held out hope that one day you would just uncover it in your apartment and it would be there and you could wear it again. And then at the end of that six months, you said, you know what? I'm never going to find it. I'm just going to get a new shirt, a new sexier (laughs) shirt, and that'll be fine. And then I found that shirt after you had given up on it. Mm -hmm. Should I be allowed to keep that shirt you know depending on how much you liked it and how if you were like oh well you know like i don't really want this i found it's nice or whatever <laughs> depending on how emotionally attached i was to this sexy shirt i found yeah yeah because emotions are important and you're not just losing the material if my sexy shirt makes you feel closer to hashem <laughs> then who am i to take that shirt back right. from you, you which know? all beautiful things do yeah there you go so now what the page is dealing with is 
that whole thing, but also you were unconscious that the shirt was even gone. So what happens in the Gamora is that we decide that we've narrowed it down and we're only talking about unmarked objects when we talk about this principle of Yehushalomidat. And in the case of a marked object, none of this applies. Everyone halakhically agrees whether you knew it was lost or not, you wouldn't have despaired of finding it because you would have always had a way to find it. And the person would have always had a sort of reasonable way to look for you. So the Gemara takes that whole idea out of it and narrows the debate to saying, we're just talking about items with no distinguishing mark. Tosafot, which is sort of a set of later commentators, post-Rashi commentators, comes in to sort of explain part of the issue here is that if you find the object, the object is no longer lost, and despair has not happened yet. The owner has not given up. Therefore, existentially, it is a found item that the owner has not given up on. So Abaye is sort of holding that, like, that despair, even though it might have happened, had the owner been aware, it hasn't happened, and you have the object now. So those conditions just are what they are. Whereas Rava is sort of saying that the despair is inevitable. Eventually, you are going to realize that this object with no mark on it has been lost, and you're going to give up on it. And therefore, that fact goes beyond just being a psychological event that you're going to go through and becomes part of the legal status of the object itself. You know, something we're discussing here is what each rabbi is being strict about. So Obaye is sort of being strict on the side of the person who lost the item and enabling them to have maximal claim on their lost item. And Rava is sort of being strict on the side of the finder and enabling them to have maximal claim on the unmarked item that they found. And those are sort of two parties that we have been presented with a conflict between their priorities. Here's what I want to do. My goal is not to maximize the strictness on one side or the other. I want to maximize the strictness of God's claim here. (laughs) Okay, what does that look like? Let me rephrase. What would King Solomon do? I think this is a classic Solomon situation, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, what does it mean to pull a Solomon? Split the baby. See who wants to split the baby. I see. So you want to make a judgment based on the emotional attachment to the object. Yeah, emotions are important, guys. Don't forget the emotions. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think all halakhic decision-making has to be contextual. Oh, shit. Just to introduce a... What? I don't even remember what I said. I don't remember what I was talking about either. Okay, listeners, sorry for the bad quality audio. Everything went to shit. It was my <laughs> fault. I take responsibility. It was so lost and we despaired. So I decided during that time of despair. Okay, great. What I wanted to talk about next, which is instead of going into more intricacies of this halacha, which we could do and I think would make for a really fun episode, given our normal episode length, I wanted to instead talk about The way in which I connected to this most personally, to me, it felt like a really apt comparison to my own Jewish heritage. So for listeners who don't know, I am partially descended from Sephardi and Mizrahi Jews who left Spain during the expulsion and the Jewish heritage in my family was hidden for a long time. In fact, I didn't know I was Jewish until my teen years. So there was this 
thing, which was lost to me and to my family, which was like our connection to Judaism. And I had no idea it was lost. I had no idea it had gone anywhere because I had no idea it existed in the first place. And so when I discovered it, I really did have a deep internal question as to whether I had any claim to it. One could reasonably have said, even if she discovers that she once had Jewish heritage, like once she knows it's lost, she'll despair of ever reconnecting to it. And therefore, you know, it's just lost. And the question here wasn't so much a property question of whether somebody got to keep something. But for me, it was a question of like, could I legitimately claim that connection as mine? And the fact that we're all here in this universe where I did do that, I guess, shows my perspective on the matter. But it felt very relevant to that journey that I went on. We all know the Hava that we see in front of us right now. And I just imagined when the <laughs> a younger version of this Hava discovered she was Jewish, that uh, she was just strong headed and was like, fuck it. I guess I'm a Jew, guys. Just going to go out there and be a Jew. <laughs> No, this was actually a years long debate for me. And for many years, I was just like a teenager dealing with all the homophobic shit a queer teenager has to deal with. And then as a young adult, I had some Jewish friends in my life who threw Jewish events. And that's when I started to really wrestle with this question. So it was a multi-year sort of turmoil for me, especially because this was sort of during peak Tumblr culture where, you know whether I had a legitimate in social justice terms claim to me felt important, not just for my own ethics, but also like socially, how would people react? Right. And you were also like in your early 20s. And these things probably have an effect on you in a different way than they would now. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, in the text, the Yahush that's being talked about is sort of a despairing of finding an object, which is not such a intense despair. But, you know, there was despair for me for a long time about whether I would ever be able to reforge this connection. Even when I did start practicing Judaism, you know, that despair was still with me that like, oh, I'll never, I'll, it'll never be as if I always had it, which is true in a certain way. But the moral of the story for me is contrary to what Rava has to say is that the despair is not inevitable. Wow, that's beautiful. You've convinced me of the court's majority view that they voted on in Citizens United, that heritages are objects too. So that's great. Thanks, Hava. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another thing I thought of that I think maybe more people will relate to who listen to this podcast is I've seen a lot of trans folks face a similar turmoil when they're sort of discovering that they might like to use different pronouns. And there's often this moment of like, oh, I've never thought of myself this way before. Do I have like a right to take up space in this certain way? These questions all feel connected to the principles behind Yayush Shalomida'at to me. And just so we're clear, if you're not me, you do have that right. <laughs> right. Everyone but Michael, it says in the Talmud, actually. We've decided that even if you didn't know you lost it, you're going to get it back. But one workaround that the Talmud goes into, they give an example of a fig falling from someone's fig tree onto like a public road. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, what about like a fig that falls on the road? Why do we all collectively know that it's totally okay for like someone to just go up and pick up that fig and, <laughs> and eat it? Like, duh, like that's an obvious thing. The reason why this doesn't fit the rule is because a fig that falls off a tree and hits the ground is disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> it got bruised. 
and no one wants it. So everything flips on its head. It's gross, so it doesn't apply. If the object is gross, it doesn't apply. So just, you know. (laughs) If it's halachically gross. Wow, that's great. I'm really glad you brought that up. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Okay, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed this a little bit more technical episode. I'm hoping we'll do more of these style of episodes in the future next week in our regular episode we're going to talk about something really cool we're going to talk about some interesting ideas about conversion in the talmud which i know our previous episode about conversion was super popular so i hope you all will enjoy this one as well because it involves more observer paradoxes oh which is my current fetish is observer paradoxes in the talmud wow okay i'm excited for that i think the bonus ep i haven't decided if i'm going to do a word of the week or i'm going to bring out a little sugya Ooh, of your own we'll see what happens we'll see what happens wow that's hot i know let's close them well Dear listeners, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Send us your questions, join our Patreon, and Shavutov! Shavutov!